When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, when it comes to aquariums, we've talked about this for years and years, but it's really time to move beyond just the, the pretty look of aquariums, especially botanical method aquariums. It's different. It's time to move into a deeper stage of understanding about how our aquariums function as miniature ecosystems. Part of the whole game of the botanical method aquarium is understanding how, why, and what happens to terrestrial materials when they're placed in water. Now, nature has been working with terrestrial materials and aquatic habitats for eons, right? She works with just about everything you throw at her. She'll take that seemingly unsexy piece of wood or a bunch of dry leaves and given the passage of time, the action of gravity and water movement... The work of bacteria, fungi, and algae shall mold, and shape, and evolve them into unique and compelling pieces as amazing as anything we could ever help to do. Yet, one of the things that's so unique about the botanical method approach is that we tend to accept the idea of decomposing materials accumulating in our systems. We understand that they act, to a certain extent, as fuel for the micro and macro fauna which reside in the aquarium, and that they perform this function for as long as they're present in the aquarium. Now, our aquariums, much like the, you know, the wild habitats that we strive to replicate, are constantly evolving, accumulating new materials, and creating new physical habitats for fishes to forage among. New food sources and chemical and energy inputs are important to the biological diversity and the continuity of the flooded forests and the streams of the tropics, and they play a similar role in our aquariums. We add leaves and botanicals periodically, not just for an aesthetic refresh, but for a recharge of the biome within our tanks. This is a really fascinating aspect of the botanical method aquarium. Uh, it facilitates the growth, nutrient accumulation, uh, you know, the cycle of growth, uh, nutrient accumulation, and decomposition. It becomes not only part of our practice, but it's part of the operating system that we're trying to facilitate. Because of this very operating system of our tanks, which features decomposing leaves and all that kind of stuff, we're able to create a remarkably rich and complex population of creatures within them. This is one of the most interesting aspects of a botanical method aquarium. We have the opportunity to create an aquatic microcosm, which provides not only unique aesthetics, it provides some supplemental nutritional value for our fishes and perhaps most important, nutrient processing, a self-generating population of creatures that complement, indeed create, the biodiversity in our systems on a more or less continuous basis. So if there's one aspect of our botanical method aquariums which really fascinates me and probably turns off a lot of people, it's the way they facilitate the natural processes of life, specifically decomposition. Now we use this term a lot in the botanical method world. So what precisely does it mean? Well, decomposition is defined as the process by which organic substances are broken down into simpler organic matter. That's a very apt description if you ask me. 
Decomposition is really an amazing process where nature utilizes processes and then utilizes materials uh, for the greater ecosystem. It's the first part of the recycling of nutrients that were used by the plant or organism from which the material came from. When biological material decays, it's broken down and converted into more simple organic forms, which become food for all kinds of organisms and at the very base of the ecosystem. For our purposes, we'll focus on the way botanical materials decompose. In aquatic ecosystems, much of the initial breakdown of botanical materials is conducted by detritivores, which are organisms that feed on dead organic material, especially plant-based detritus. Specifically, they're fishes, aquatic insects, and invertebrates, which serve to begin the process by feeding upon the tissues of, you know, in our case, a seed pod or a leaf, while other species utilize the waste products which are produced during this process for their own nutrition. In wild aquatic habitats like streams and flooded forests, a variety of species work in tandem with each other, with various organisms carrying out the different stages of the decomposition process. The process is broken down basically into three distinct phases as defined by ecologists. There's something like this. Um, a leaf falls off a tree, falls into the water. After it's submerged, some of the solutes, which are substances which dissolve in liquids, in this instance sugars, carbohydrates, tannins, etc., some of those solutes in the leaf tissues are released rather quickly. Interestingly, this leaching stage, as it's known by science, is known to be more of an artifact of lab work. This is kind of interesting. In our case, aquarium work, work, which utilizes dried leaves as opposed to fresh ones. The process occurs in nature. It just takes a lot longer. Fresh leaves tend to leach these materials over longer periods of time during that process. Yet, it's another reason why it's not a bad idea to prep your leaves before adding them to your aquarium because it'll help quickly leach out many of the remaining sugars and other compounds, which could degrade the water quality, perhaps lead to algae and closed ecosystems. Although I encourage you to experiment with some fresh leaves once in a while. Why not, right? The second stage of the process is called the conditioning phase in which microbial colonization of on the leaf takes place. So communities of microbial life forms begin to consume some of the tissues of the leaf, at least softening it up a bit and making it more palatable for those aforementioned detritivores. The last phase, fragmentation, is exactly like what it sounds like the physical breakdown of the leaf by various organisms, ranging from microorganisms to small crustaceans, shrimp, fungi, and even fishes, collectively known as shredders. Perfect name, right? Interestingly, it's been suggested by some ecologists that microbes might be more important than shredders in tropical streams, in other words, the microbial growth. Now, the fauna composition differs quite a bit between different habitats, yet most of the studies I found will tell you that Chironomidae, which are also known as bloodworms or insect larvae, think, think about bloodworms, um, they're the most abundant in many streams, pools, flooded forests, and riffles in the initial period of leaf breakdown. The botanical materials broken down into various products utilized by a variety of life forms. The Particles are then distributed downstream by a current and, you know, they're available for consumption by a variety of organisms which comprise aquatic food webs, which we've talked about many times before. So there's basically six primary products that are considered in the decomposition products. There's bacterial, fungal, shredder biomass, dissolved organic matter, fine particulate organic matter, and inorganic mineralization of products like carbon dioxide, phosphorus, etc., in tropical streams, a high decomposition rate has been related to high fungal activity. In other words, fungi accomplish a lot. Interestingly, 
Scientists have noted that the leaves of many tropical plant species tend to have higher concentrations of secondary compounds and more recalcitrant compounds than do leaves of temperate species. Also, some researchers have hypothesized that high concentrations of these secondary compounds like tannins in many tropical species actually inhibit leaf breakdown rates in tropical streams. One can only wonder if this is why you may see leaf litter beds that last for so many years and become known features in streams and river tributaries. It's just a thought. There's certainly a lot going on in those leaf litter beds in the world, isn't there? It's a dynamic, you know, fascinating process. It's part of why we find the idea of a natural botanical, you know, method aquarium so compelling. Many of the organisms, from microbes to small crustaceans to fungi, are almost never seen except by the most observant and keen-eyed hobbyists, but they're there doing what they've done for eons. They work slowly and, you know, methodically over weeks and months, converting the botanical material into forms that are more readily assimilated by themselves and by other aquatic organisms. It's the real cycle of life. Now, we add leaves and botanicals to our aquariums, and over time, they start to soften, they break up, and ultimately decompose. And I personally believe that we should leave them in play until they completely decompose in our aquariums. The substances contained within them, lignans, organic acids, tannins, just to name a few, are liberated into the water, which fuels the biome, you know, bacteria, fungi, and other microorganisms and crustaceans, facilitating the formation of a basic food web within the botanical method aquarium, if we allow it to. In other words, if we don't siphon this stuff out. So I've personally experienced this time and time again. We've talked about this a lot here, right? By setting up a botanical method aquarium for the express purpose of providing supplemental food for the resident fishes, you can do it. I've done this with adult fishes and I've actually reared, well, nature did the work. I've actually reared many fish fry to maturities by setting them up in heavily botanically stocked aquariums with little or no supplemental feeding. The fish is fed on the fungal growths and the biofilms as well as the organisms which are associated with them, just like they do in nature. This to me is extremely exciting. It's a fundamental part about what of what makes our botanical method aquariums work. Now, does the liberation of carbons and sugars and stuff in our systems impact the water quality of our aquariums? Well, of course it does. And yeah, you need to monitor water quality in your aquariums regularly to establish what's baseline for your system. You need to perform regular water exchanges too. It's just common sense here. It's important to remember that leaves and botanicals are simply not permanent additions to our aquariums. And if we want to enjoy them in their more intact forms, we need to replace them as soon as they start to break down. It's not a bad thing. I mean, but it's really uh, about as much of a mental shift as it is anything else. Like so much of what we do with botanical method aquarium systems, the willingness for us to really look to nature as more than just an inspiration for making cool looking aquariums is paramount here. Rather, an approach which understands that our botanical method aquariums require us to step back, observe and accept what happens in wild aquatic habitats and realize that the same processes are occurring in our aquariums. Natural materials submerged in water processed by this huge diversity of life forms all working together. It's a microbiome. All these things are beautiful, they're natural, and they're incredibly important to our systems if we give them a chance. As we've all started to figure out by now, our botanical-influenced aquariums are a lot more of a little slice of nature than you're, you know, that you're recreating in your house than they are just a pet-holding container, right? Our aquariums are actually a form of a biome. Biome is a large, naturally occurring community of flora and fauna occupying a major habitat. It's an important mental shift to embrace the idea of an aquarium as a habitat, which contains more than just your fishes. It's a wide variety of plants and animals. 
Not only do these life forms constitute a source of ecological balance and environmental stability, they're a source of supplemental food for resident fishes. Boy, we come back to that again and again, don't we? Well, how do botanicals impact this process? Why do we use them? Well, more specifically, it's the microorganisms that they serve, right? In other words, does having a bunch of leaves and other botanical materials in the aquarium foster a larger population of these you know, valuable organisms capable of processing organics and thus creating a more stable, robust biological filtration capacity in the aquarium? I believe that they do. With a matrix of materials present, the bacteria and their biofilms not only have a substrate upon which to attach and colonize, but an onboard food source which they can utilize as they need them. I'm of the opinion that a botanical method aquarium complete with its decomposing leaves and seed pods can serve as a sort of buffet for a variety of organisms along the food chain. And many fishes, even those whose primary food sources are known to be things like insects and worms and stuff like that, will in turn feed off the detritus and the microorganisms within it. It's an excellent supplemental food source for our fishes. There's a lot of food which our fishes can obtain which occurs within the aquatic habitat itself. I say this over and over again because it's so important. It's something that we as lovers of botanical method aquariums really are well suited to embrace. And of course, the concept of food production within our botanical style aquariums is irresistible to think about. If you observe your tank closely, and I'm sure a lot of you too, you'll see your fishes foraging on the botanicals, picking off something. I've noticed during times when I've traveled extensively and maybe haven't been around as much to feed my fishes that they're generally not even slightly slimmer when I get back, despite not being fed for days sometimes. What are they eating when I'm gone? Well, there's a number of interesting possibilities. Perhaps most interesting to us as botanical method aquarium people are epiphytes. These are organisms which grow on the surface of wood, botanicals, plants, or other substrates, and they derive their nutrients from the surrounding environment. They're abundant in the you know, nutrient cycling and uptake in both nature and in the aquarium. And they add to the biodiversity and serve as an important food source for many species of fishes. In our favorite aquatic habitats, you know, like streams and ponds and flooded forests, epiphytes are abundant and many fishes will spend large amounts of time foraging the bio cover on tree trunks, branches, leaves, and other botanical materials in search of them. The bio cover consists of stuff like algae, biofilms, and fungi. And although most animals use leaves and tree branches for shelter and not directly as a food item, grazing on this epiphytic growth is, you know, that occurs upon them is very important. Look, I'm of the opinion that this botanical buffet is a very, very, very important side benefit of keeping one of these aquariums. Detritus and the organisms within it can provide an excellent supplemental food source for fishes as well. Yeah, detritus. More on that later. That's our old friend, right? Now, look, it's well known that in many habitats, like inundated forests, fishes will adjust their feeding strategies to utilize what's available to them at different times of the year. And it's also known that many fish fry feed actively on bacteria and fungi in these habitats. So for that very reason, I suggest that the botanical method aquarium could be an excellent sort of nursery for many fish and shrimp species. Again, an idea we've talked about a lot. Now, you'll often hear the term paraphyton mentioned in a similar context if you're deep diving into the scientific literature on this stuff. And I think that for our purposes, we can essentially consider it in the same manner as we do epiphytic matter. Paraphyton is essentially a catch-all term for a mixture of cyanobacteria, algae, various microbes, and of course, detritus, which is found attached or in extremely close proximity to various submerged surfaces. Again, 
Fishes will graze continuously on this stuff in both the wild and in our aquariums when it's available to them. In the wild habitats, some organisms like nematodes and chironomids will dig into the leaf structure and feed on the tissues themselves, as well as the fungi and bacteria that are found among them. These organisms, in turn, become part of the diet of many fishes. And the resulting detritus produced by the processed and decomposed plant matter is considered by many aquatic ecologists to be an extremely significant food source for many fishes, especially in areas like Amazonia or Southeast Asia, where the detritus is considered an essential factor in the food webs of these habitats. In fact, if you look in the gut content analysis of many of the tropical fish that we keep, if you research this on fish base and places like that, detritus makes up a huge percentage of their natural diet. And if you observe the behavior of many of your fishes in the aquarium, like, you know, kerosens, cyprinids, and lorichorids, and others, you'll see that in between feeding, they spend an awful lot of time picking at that aforementioned stuff on the leaves and stems and so forth inside of the aquarium. In a botanical method aquarium, this is pretty much something you see constantly, and I believe it's an extremely important side benefit of what we do. I've said that again and again. And, you know, your tank is going to be producing the stuff for as long as you're managing it. And that's what's so important. It's really, really important to look at the aquarium as, a, again, a living organism and to develop an appreciation for the potential benefits that all of these food sources can bring to your fishes and the, aqua you know, the aquatic system itself. Now, in many aquatic habitats of the world, it's interesting to note that where materials fall from the trees and the surrounding dry areas... There's a greater abundance of fishes and other aquatic animals. Interesting, right? Makes sense. Again, fish follow the food. And materials will continue to fall into the water and accumulate throughout the years, maintaining the ecological richness of the habitat as others decompose or act upon, you know, by the organisms residing in the water, from fungi to fishes. Ecologists called this material alochthonous input. You've heard us mention that term a lot over the years. Basically, it means foods from the surrounding terrestrial environment, like flowers, fruits, insects, etc. These are extremely important foods for many fishes that live in flooded forests and other, you know, tropical habitats. We mimic this process actually when we feed our fishes prepared food, right? This stuff literally rains from the sky. Now, I think that what we feed to our fishes in this fashion is a little bit different, but it's also as important as, you know, as how it's fed. The alochthonous input is so important to fishes that it impacts their feeding habits as well as their social and behavioral habits and what could loosely be referred to as their migratory patterns. Now, it's long been known that when fishes, fishes which, you know, inhabit those flooded forests that we talk about, for example, will tend to literally follow the food and move into new areas where greater feeding opportunities exist, and they'll even adjust their dietary preferences seasonally to accommodate the foods that are available to them. Now, it may not be top of mind, but the reality is that we as aquarists are already sort of familiar with this process, albeit unconsciously. If you really want to get meta here, think about it for a minute. When we add foods to our aquarium, you know, live frozen or otherwise, we're essentially replicating this process, aren't we? And on a more macro level, when, you know, we're replacing the botanical materials in our aquariums as they break down, we're also doing it, you know, because stuff continuously falls from the trees, right? Yeah. It's another example of the functional aesthetics of botanical method aquariums. The idea which acknowledges that the, the fact that botanicals that we use not only kind of look cool, but they facilitate an important function, in this case, supplemental food production as well. It's profoundly important to what we do. Perhaps arcane to a lot of people, but certainly not insignificant. 
you know, again, when we create and manage botanical method aquariums, not only do we have the opportunity to create aquariums which differ significantly from those in the past, we have a unique window into the natural world and the processes which take place in the wild. It's pretty cool. Now, let's talk about detritus for a second. We've talked about it a lot over the years, but let's talk about it again. I know the very mention of the word can send a lot of aquarists into like a cold sweat. Now, the definition of this stuff is accepted by the aquarium hobby is kind of sketchy, you know, and probably not flattering. It literally is described as dead particulate organic matter and typically includes, you know, the bodies or fragments of dead organisms as well as fecal material. Um, it's typically colonized by, you know, communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize the material. It doesn't sound great, does it? But a lot of hobbyists will think, oh, that's bad. I'm not buying it, though. Why is this a bad thing? Could there be some upside to this stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, even in the definition I gave you, there's that part about being colonized by communities of microorganisms which act to decompose or remineralize. It's being processed. It's being utilized. What do these microorganisms do? They consume it. They render it essentially inert. And in the process, they contribute to the biological diversity and arguably even the stability of your aquarium. Some of them are utilized as food by other creatures, which is really important in the closed aquarium, isn't it? It's also known that detritus may have, you know, maybe formed by some of types of bacterial aggregations. These may result from the feeding activities of animals, but often they're simply a result of bacterial growth. Detritus can be composed of inorganic mineral grains, you know, resulting from the actions of animals burrowing into wood or botanicals or even from ingested larger mineral grains of material like the substrate, which are partially dissolved via digestion. It's not all that bad, right? I think we should embrace this, especially in a botanical method aquarium, which essentially runs on the decomposition of stuff. In the flooded forest floors that we see in nature, the leaf litter community of fishes, the insects, the fungi, the detritus, and the microorganisms is hugely important to the overall tropical environment as it assimilates terrestrial material into the aquatic ecosystem and acts to reduce the loss of nutrients to the forest, which would inevitably, inevitably you know, occur if all this stuff simply fell into the streams and was washed away. Stuff's being utilized by a myriad of life forms. Is there a lesson from nature that we can incorporate into our aquarium work? I think so. Now, I realize that all this stuff, allowing it to accumulate or even be present in your system, goes against virtually everything that we've been indoctrinated to believe, uh, you know, about aquarium husbandry. Pretty much every article you see on this stuff is about its dangers, how to get rid of it. I'll say it again. Look, I think we've been looking at detritus wrong for a long time, perceiving it as an enemy to be feared as opposed to a biological catalyst that it really is. In essence, it's organically rich particulate material. I've pushed this narrative for years, and I still think we need to encourage more hobbyists to embrace it more. Yeah, that detritus. Okay, I'll admit that detritus as we see it may not be the most attractive thing to look at in our tanks. I'll give you that. It literally looks like, and quite possibly is, a pile of shit. However, what we're talking about accumulating or allowing to accumulate isn't fish poop and uneaten food. It's broken down botanical materials, the physical end product of biological processing. Yeah, a wide variety of organisms have become adapted to eat or utilize detritus. Now, I'm just one guy, but I personally haven't had issues with the complete decomposition of botanicals and the leaves being, you know, allowed to accumulate in my, you know, aquariums and perhaps become detritus in the process. 
in almost three decades of playing with this stuff. And being a very hardcore water quality testing reef keeper during much of that time, I can't ever, ever recall a time when the decline of a freshwater system I maintained could be pinned specifically on the detritus that was accumulating from decomposing botanical materials. Of course, if you're allowing, again, large uneaten quantities of food and fish poop to accumulate in your aquarium, that's a totally different distinction. These materials accumulating will contribute to nitrate and phosphate and possibly even ammonia unless they're removed or acted upon by organisms residing in your aquarium. So I love a detritus shouldn't be a surrogate for poor husbandry. Like, not now, not ever. I've always been a firm believer in some forms of nutrient export and typically water exchanges that are done weekly. So yeah, I'm not saying that you could essentially disobey all the common sense husbandry practices that we in the aquarium hobby have known to love, you know, come to know and love over the years. Like, you know, not overcrowding, not overfeeding, etc. And just change the water and everything's good either. Water exchanges are helpful. However, they're not a panacea for all the potential ills of a poorly managed tank. You need to master the well-known basics of aquarium care, period. You know what they are, and I'm not going to go into them now. So, again... It's always worth considering and exploring, you know, new ideas, being open-minded. In this case, just looking at some things that maybe in the past we've been afraid of for whatever reason and looking at them instead of these things to be avoided and removed, looking at them as part of the, literally the operating system of our botanical method aquariums. It's a, it's a lot to digest. It's a lot of concepts we've talked about before, but rethink about this stuff. Go back, maybe listen to some of the old podcasts, look at our old articles, reread some of the stuff kind of digest this in, in that new mindset of, hey, this is beneficial for our aquarium. And I'll bet you, I'll bet you, it'll start to make a lot more sense. And you might just want to be even more grateful that you have botanical material decomposing in your systems than maybe you even are now. It's really fascinating stuff. It's very interesting. And it's hugely beneficial to your little miniature closed aquatic ecosystem. So I hope I've sort of at least turned the page on that for you. So maybe you can kind of give it some real serious thought. Stay bold, stay excited, stay accepting, stay curious, stay motivated, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman. Thanks for listening to this long rant on on all kinds of things we talked about. And I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.